we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. True crime on A&E with groundbreaking original shows like The First 48, Cold Case Files, Accused, Guilty or Innocent, and American Justice. No one brings you closer. Groundbreaking true crime every Thursday and Friday on A&E. When Teresa Pearson was murdered in a LaSalle parking garage in the 1980s, Serial killer William Fife was living a five-minute drive away. That, that's it. That's really, oh, that's all I got today. I got nothing. I'm your host, John Allure. Have yourselves a great, great day. I want to talk mostly about Fife today, specifically those years in the 1980s when he was believed to have been the plumber rapist who terrorized downtown Montreal. And for this episode, I'm assuming you're all acquainted with Canadian serial killer William Fife. I'm not going to cover all aspects of his story except to say that it took a long time uh, like we're talking BTK time, like glacial time before William Fife was uh, eventually caught. Before we get there, uh, a brief reminder of the Teresa Pearson case. This is who killed Teresa. Getting right um, to it, um, there's there's a, a visual component to this episode. Uh, it's heavily relying on maps, on police composite sketches. Um, great choice for an audio <laughs> production. Uh, nevertheless, you probably want to check out the website after this or during this. Maybe follow along 
as you're going along. The complete text is there at www.teresalore.com. T H E R E S A A L L O R E. Teresa Pearson. So she's a kid. She's 19 years old when she goes missing. And this is on Wednesday, May 18th, 1983. Um, just one week before she was due to graduate from a secretarial course at La Salle High School. Pearson's last seen getting off a, a city bus after school near the corner of Boulevard La Salle and 90th Avenue. And she lived with her parents in this white duplex at the end of a cul-de-sec at uh, 9339 uh, Terrace uh, Greenfield, which is about a two-minute walk from uh, what we know to have been the, the bus stop. Pearson's body was found around 4 p.m. in the garage of an apartment building at 9379 LaSalle Boulevard, so just a few doors down. Uh, the garage faces towards the backyard of the Pearson home. Uh, Teresa Pearson, she'd been struck on the head 10 times, possibly with a tire jack bar. There were no um, obvious signs of sexual assault, uh, so they say. Her school bag and books were found nearby. The school bag contained uh, $2.00. And her purse, uh, which police believe contained no money, uh, I don't know why they believe that, but um, her purse was missing. School finished around 3 p.m., so the body was found very quickly, like within approximately 15 minutes of the murder. Whoever did it was either well-prepared, extremely lucky, or both. In uh, in an earlier podcast on the Teresa Pearson case, I suggested that the easiest and safest way home would have been to walk from the bus stop down 90th Avenue to La Salle uh, Boulevard. Um, both are main roads with a lot of traffic, so it's um, in your mind just it's like it's like an L shape. You just kind of go dunk dunk. Um, and then up the cul-de-sac. Um, and I later learned that this was probably not the case for Teresa on that day. Uh, a, a relative, possibly Pearson's grandmother, lived in that apartment building where she was found. And, and uh, Teresa visited uh, quite regularly. Um, and to get there, Pearson would have probably cut down a back route, which is uh, Rue Centrale and approached uh, this apartment uh, building entrance from the back alley. And uh, this provided the reason why Pearson was um, at that apartment uh, in the first place. Uh, After visiting her grandmother, she would have uh, intended to cut through some adjacent apartments, and then she'd just kind of hop the back fence into her back uh, yard, as, as kids do. However, this never occurred, and she probably met her offender while approaching uh, the entrance down that back alleyway, who then dragged her into the garage and attacked her. 
Um, I, uh, I visited La Salle uh, last fall and kind of walked this, this area. Um, and, um, you, you know, like I said, the 90th Avenue is, uh, is very populated, small businesses all along it would have been the same then as it was now. In fact, some of those businesses are clearly 30, 40 years old. And then um, LaSalle Boulevard is what you would know as the Lakeshore Boulevard. Uh, it's right. It, it just follows a path along uh, the St. Lawrence River. Um, again, heavy, heavy traffic. Uh, again, would have been then and now a lot of traffic. So um, hard to imagine her not, um, you know, on a school's out. It's three o'clock, three, three thirty. You know, lots of kids, um, lots of pedestrian traffic, lots of cars. Uh, hard to imagine no one seeing anything. Um, easier to believe had she taken the back alley along Central uh, that that this uh, event would have passed unnoticed. In the early days of the investigation, police were looking for a red car that was spotted in the uh, alleyway. Um, and uh, police later discarded this lead when they were able to track down the owner, questioned him, and became convinced of his, of his innocence. And um, I've talked to a few people about this who feel genuinely that the red car angle was a red, was a, pardon the word, but a red herring. But there was a second man apprehended, um, who was subjected to a, a lie detector test after police concluded, uh, we didn't think he was giving the right answers to our questions. Uh, but this lead ultimately uh, went nowhere. William Fife's Early Years. Reports of a plumber rapist first began to circulate in the Montreal area as early as 1979. In February of that year, the Gazette reports that, quote, elderly women in Montreal's northeast sector are being robbed and raped by a man posing as a plumber. The article continues that in this latest of 14 attacks, a woman in her mid-60s was raped and robbed of $30 after a man claimed water was leaking into a neighboring apartment. MUC police disclose that they have been working the case of a plumber rapist since December of 1978, so three months, and that, quote, the only pattern we can see is that the strikes uh, happen in the afternoon uh, or evenings, end quote, and that he must, quote, be researching his victims. Police admit they do not have a good description of the rapist, but that he is, uh, quote, around 30 years of age, has light brown hair, and stands around 5 feet 9 inches tall. 
on October 17, 1979, 62-year-old Suzanne Bernier is murdered in her North End apartment at uh, 1800 de Salaberry Avenue. Police say the motive was robbery. Uh, 20 years later, 20 years later, William Fife would confess to this murder. Uh, at the time of this murder, Fife, um, and, and that was part of his plea bargain, by the way, in order to serve his sentence in, uh, I believe, Saskatchewan instead of Quebec. So at the time of this murder, Fife is serving uh, a sentence at, uh, at the nearby Bordeaux jail, uh, I believe for B&E. Um, so, um, so he's let out on a, on a day pass to work the day of that murder. But uh, as police later would say, uh, he didn't go to work. He committed this murder. Uh, the apartment where Bernier was murdered is uh, just under a mile from Bordeaux. So, you know, you, you hear this a lot. In fact, somebody brought it up to me yesterday. Somebody mentioned that the vampire killer, the vampire killer, Wayne Boyden, Bolden is his name, in the early 70s in Montreal. He, he, was, he, he was let out accidentally for 36 hours in the mid-80s. And so one wonders, what was he up to in 36 hours? When you kind of go, well, sure, but that's improbable. But, but in the case of, of William Fife, that's exactly what he did. I mean, you talk about, um, forgive me for being, you know, rude, but efficient. The guy's let out on a day pass, you know, instead of going right to work, he, he hops left, walks down the street, commits a murder. And, and by the end of that day, when everybody thought he worked a shift, he goes right back to the Bordeaux jail. He goes right back to prison. I mean, within within like the the time of an eight hour day pass, uh, he's he's committed his work. naked body of 26-year-old Nicole Raymond was found in her apartment under a month after the Bernier murder on November 11th, 1979. Uh, Raymond was stabbed several times in the throat and chest in apartment 503 at 800 Lakeshore Road in Point Claire. Now, Fife later, as part of that plea bargain, also confessed to this uh, murder. Um, and we presume that he was no longer serving time in Bordeaux at the time he had been let out. Um, we don't know precisely where he was living at the, the time of Raymond's death, but um, two years earlier, 
1977, Fife shows up at 3450 Rue Victoria uh, along the lakeshore and a direct five miles from uh, Raymond's apartment. Again, there's maps for all of this online at TresaLore.com. Fife's last known murder from this era is the March 1981 stabbing of 53-year-old Hazel Scatelin. And again, as with the other cases, he's he's not hunting far from where he's living. Scatelin is found in her apartment at 35 Glengarry Avenue in uh, the town of Mount, Mount, the town of Mount Royal. Uh, in 1981, Fife was living about a mile away at 1231 Rue Um Again, Scatelin is the last of Fife's known murder victims from this period. He's he's not known to have murdered again until 1987. Interestingly, uh, these these missing years from 1981 to 1987 coincide with the rise of the plumber-rapist cases in Montreal, crimes for which Fife has long been uh, the suspect. Uh, plumber-rapist story surfaces again in uh, Montreal in May of 1981, just months after the Scatlin murder. Police uh, in Montreal announced that um, a, quote, plumber attacked 20 women. Montreal police describe a man with curly hair, sometimes wearing a baseball cap, posing as a plumber to gain entry to homes. The attacks are centered in downtown, but police say, quote, we think he's the same man who attacked women in the north end of the city last year. The victims range in age from 20 to 65. The man is described as very active and violent, about five feet nine inches tall, uh, approximately 165 pounds and speaks English and French with an accent. Two weeks later, uh, facing pressure from women who complain police are, quote, deliberately holding back information on the rapist and endangering women, a police sketch of the suspect is finally released. Police complain that with all the media attention, the rapist has been scared away and the attacks have stopped in inhibiting their ability to to catch him. And this first sketch, um, the sketch looks very much like a young William Fife. And of course, it's on the website, kind of dark curly hair, uh, the eyes are Fife's. The mouth is especially is Fife. Um, and it appears that Montreal police got their way um, throughout that summer and fall of 1981. Um, the story goes cold um, with the, the media presumably muzzled to provide police the opportunity to uh, to smoke him out 
and it didn't work. Um, he waited, and then on November 30th, uh, MUC police announced efforts to step up their hunt following three assaults in downtown Montreal that month. Reports are consistent that the, quote, plumber rapist is five feet nine inches tall, weighing about 165 pounds. But uh, at this point, police drop the age to 25, and Fife was uh, 26 years old at the time. Uh, police say that they are willing to, quote, reestablish a 12-member team to investigate the case. So presumably that had been uh, abandoned <laughs> with the caveat that if, if more women come forward, um, and I'm asking uh, how many women does it take? I mean, we have, you know, 20 women, 14 women. <laughs> what do they need? Jeez. <laughs> do they need a whole orchard uh, uh, to solve the problem? As a as a side night, side night. Good night. Um, no, as a side note, uh, considering all this activity in 1981, it would be very tempting to consider the murder of Roxanne Luce. Uh, many of you know Stefan Luce, a friend of mine. That you know to consider that Fife is uh, possibly the offender, um, and uh, I don't believe this. I know Stefan doesn't believe that uh, Fife murdered his mother. Um, and if you don't recall the case, uh, Roxanne Luce's uh, Stefan's mother was found bludgeoned in her home in Langay on April first, nineteen eighty one. Uh, but Fife as uh, as the assailant is uh, is doubtful. Um, uh, William Fife preyed on victims uh, far afield in downtown Montreal, uh, the North End, the West End, uh, West Island, the, the Laurentians, possibly in Laval. Uh, so he covered the, the waterfront, so to speak. But uh, he never, to our knowledge, preyed on the South Shore. And uh, the, the plumber rapist had a similar path, uh, the, the West Island, North End, Central Montreal, possibly the St. Therese, Rosemere districts off the island but uh, was never reported in the uh, in the Longay area plumber rapist strikes It's, it's almost a full year before we hear again about the plumber rapist. Uh, on August 19th, 1982, a young man uh, posing as a plumber gains access to a 22-year-old woman's apartment in uh, Dallard des Ormeaux, part of Montreal's West Island community, and rapes her armed with a knife. The man matches uh, earlier descriptions and uh, the police sketch obtained from uh, the woman's recollections, uh, again, looks very similar to a young uh, William Fife. This is sketch two online. Um, at the close of 1982, after three years and no success in capturing the plumber rapist, a police 
announce that this uh, Montreal sexual predator may have had a uh, copycat. Now, this uh, this idea of a copycat is v- very probable. Uh, happens a lot. It would not surprise uh, me in the least. Certainly, um, with the volume of um, these reports, um, nevertheless, some aspects remain consistent uh, with Fife. The the height, the weight, um, the English speaking with a French accent, uh, the descriptions overall, it sounds like a, a young uh, William Fife. Um, so some of these are most certainly him. Teresa Pearson and the Plumber Rapist. Two and a half years pass and there's no mention of the Plumber Rapist in the Montreal papers. Uh, Remember that Teresa Pearson's murder occurs during this time in the spring of 1983. We can't be certain where William Fife is in the spring of 1983. But this much is known. 1984 and 85 uh, probably provided Fife with um, some of his only years of stability where he may have ceased engaging in sexual attacks. On December 27th, 1983, Fife marries. Uh, Fife had a a child with this woman, but uh, it is known uh, to have been a rocky union Fife uh, routinely uh, beat his wife. In November 1985, the couple separates. She files for divorce in 86. And by 1988, the divorce is granted with full custody for their son going to his ex-wife. By 85 and 86, we know Fife is living at uh, 410 uh, Rue... uh, Bergevin, about a mile from the Pearson home in La Salle. Uh, he may, in fact, have been living uh, there in 1983 when Pearson was beaten to death, but there's uh, no known documents to verify that. And it's during this time that police revise their MO of the plumber rapist. Uh, the headline of uh, a June 1985 piece penned by uh, Eddie Collister and uh, James Many announced, uh, quote, elusive rapist preys on teenaged girls. Police reports indicate that the rapist, who usually strikes between 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Thursdays and Fridays, waits around schools, parks, and small convenience stores and follows his victims home from there. Now, at first, you're tempted to think, uh, as I did, that this is the copycat, right? But too many things, too many things are similar to the Fife plumber rapist. Um, The suspect focuses on the downtown area and the West End. He's suspected of attacking 12 girls between the ages of 13 and 18. 
Um, now, there's a, there's a common misconception that Fife attacked old women. Sometimes he attacked elderly uh, victims. But uh, Nicole Raymond uh, from the 80s was 26. Um, in the earliest accounts of the plumber rapist from 1981, the man who is un undoubtedly Fife, uh, police say the victims are between 20 and 65. So uh, in terms of victims, Fife is clearly an equal opportunity offender. He, quote, gains access to the house by posing as a plumber or a repairman and by saying he has to leave a message, end quote. And he, quote, carries a black leather bag containing a dagger and wears black leather racing gloves. Um, he's described as, quote, a white francophone male, about 5 feet 11 inches and weighing about 150 pounds. Um, remember, Fife spoke French with an accent. The height and weight rough, roughly matches his appearance. So I think with this new MO, we're still talking about the same guy. There's uh, one final account of Montreal's plumber rapist. It's uh, in the summer of 1986, uh, well, accounts, uh, there's two, two young women. Young women are attacked in uh, Montreal's North End. Uh, recall by now that Fife is separated from his wife and she has filed for divorce. So this first woman who's attacked is 21 years old uh, from the St. Michel district, the plateau region. Well, it's not really plateau, north of the plateau. And the second is uh, another young woman from neighboring uh, St. Leonard, uh, both were raped in their homes by a man claiming to be a, quote, city water inspector or plumber. The suspect is again in his 20s, 5 feet 7 inches tall, 165 pounds, is French-speaking and wears glasses and gray gloves. The composite sketch provided by the woman this time looks a little different because the, the glasses are, are new and there's this new haircut uh, by now, it's not wavy and curly, long, it's shorter. Uh, but the mouth and the eyes still look like Fife. What's interesting about these rapes, um, these last two rapes, is that they occur adjacent to the neighborhood of Park Extension. Uh, Park Extension was William Fife's childhood neighborhood in the 60s and 70s. Fife was raised by uh, his aunt. He grew up in an apartment at 1380 uh, Rue. We met. And it's here that he, he returns in this period, apparently. Um, uh, once the divorce is granted in 1988, Fife was using apartment number 27 on Rue. Uh, we met, at least as his uh, mailing address. And... Fife was well known in this era uh, and earlier to venture door to door selling, quote, copper fittings and offering to do, quote, small plumbing jobs. After 1986, there's no more reports of a rapist operating under the ruse of a plumber repairman in the Montreal area. This roughly corresponds to the time when William Fife relocated to the Laurentians, north of Montreal, 
1987, he begins murdering in this area. First, uh, Louise Blanc Poupard in Saint Adèle, then uh, Pauline Laplante in 1989 in Piedmont. For a while, he uh, sought treatment for drug and alcohol dependency at a local uh, rehabilitation center. And it's uh, it, it, during this period that Fife earns the nickname from locals Bilanglais because he speaks French with an English accent. Fife's last four known murders were all committed while he was living with his mother in Innisfil, south of Barrie, Ontario, so in the adjacent province. And they demonstrate his uh, accelerated, reckless behavior. Fife traveled hundreds of miles to commit these murders back in the Montreal areas of uh, Laval, Senville, uh, St. Agath, and Bay Durfee. With his final murder, Mary Glenn, on December 15th, 1999, Fife um, got uncharacteristically sloppy. No longer wearing gloves for protection, he left a single fingerprint on a kitchen door frame and Fife was swiftly apprehended back in Barrie shortly after disposing of blood evidence in a church dumpster. Interviewed for a profile on Fife in the Gazette in 2001, psychiatrist Gilles Chamberlain of the Philippe Pinel Institute for the Criminally Insane. And if you're keeping score, yes, that is the same Gilles Chamberlain who just this week testified for the Crown in the sentencing hearings of convicted murderer Hugo Fredette. Chamberlain offered uh, the following concerning Fife. These are people who are well organized. Uh, they have a world in their heads they won't show to anyone else. They are adept at arranging things so that they can continue to commit their crimes by leading what looks like a normal life. These sadistic acts are demonstrations of power to show that I'm powerful, I'm in control, I have the power of life and death over you. For these people, there is a type of pressure to commit these acts that starts as an idea and becomes more and more obsessive they will begin to organize and plan until the crime is committed, and then they will be in a relaxation of the aggressivity and a calm for a certain time before, unfortunately, it begins to build again.
here's the case for why William Fife may have murdered Teresa Pearson. One, around the time of the Pearson murder, Fife is living in LaSalle, a five-minute drive from the garage where her body was found. Two, throughout the 1980s, Fife's murders and the plumber rapist's sexual assaults mostly occur close to places where Fife lived, often within a mile of his residence. Three, most of Fife's victims were stabbed to death, but they were also beaten. Police noted after sentencing that Fife's victims were, quote, beaten to the point of disfigurement. Some were smashed with heavy objects. Perhaps, for instance, with a, a tire jack bar? That's me, the last bit there. <laughs> Quotes on that heavy objects. Number four, if you look at the building where Pearson was attacked at 9379 LaSalle Boulevard, it resembles the type of building where Fife committed his early murders and the plumber rapist conducted his sexual assaults. These buildings were all blockish, three to five story apartment buildings resembling like public housing. Fife often lived in such places. It's that type of apartment unit where he grew up on a rue Ouillette. It's that type of a building he was living in when he lived in LaSalle. Five, Teresa Pearson is the very model of the victim described in the 1985 article above uh, in, on the website. Uh, quote, elusive rapist preys on teenage girls, end quote. She's 19 years old. She's coming home from school around 3 p.m. We can well imagine her wandering into a corner convenience store, undoubtedly on like a Peretz for a freezy on a hot spring day. Her assailant possibly stalking her a few steps behind. Perhaps he's followed her many times to get her travel patterns exact. The plan what if <clears throat> what if on Wednesday, May 18th, 1983, the day Teresa Pearson dies, he doesn't follow her. Fife is already in place at the apartment garage because he knows that's where she'll be. The encounter begins in the alleyway. He says he's doing some work on a water heater in the garage. But mm, he's locked himself out. He needs to get back upstairs to talk to a client. Can Pearson let him in through the garage entrance? Perhaps he intended to assault her. Perhaps she was just a vehicle and his prey was someone inside. It's also about money, but not a lot of money. Drug money. The woman from 1979 was raped and robbed of $30.00. Pearson was found with $2, but her purse was missing, suggesting that the offender took the purse with the assumption that there was more money in it. Whatever the circumstances, the encounter didn't take long, and he was probably surprised and interrupted. She was found 15 minutes after she died. Newspapers reported that she was not sexually assaulted. This is almost certainly not the case. Friends of the Pearson family shared with me that 
Teresa's despondent mother did not want those details in the papers. Fife was known to have sexually assaulted victims post-mortem. Uh, and I'll stop here and just briefly say, so you you know, um, most of my sources for this has been the Gazette. The fact is that this story tracks the same way in the French press, in the Le Devoir and uh, La Presse. And, um, you, you know, it's, it's a plumber rapist attacking people, first the elderly, then the young, then uh, women's groups get up in arms at the police lack of response. It's all the same. Um, and I uh, will post both English and French versions of this story uh, along with, in the French version, I'll post the French articles in the English version. I'll post the, uh, the English uh, articles. So everybody can play along. Um, perhaps the most compelling indicator that Fife is the murderer of Teresa Pearson is in the consideration of, of who William Fife is not. Fife did not murder Sharon Pryor, Jocelyn Houle, or Denise Bazinet, three Montreal victims who were transported and dumped. Fife's victims were found in or next to buildings. They were not found in fields or the side of the road. Fife was what Holmes and DeBerger... I'm, I'm quoting from criminology literature now, I'll just tell you. But it's good. Well, Holmes and DeBerger pioneered this, and they referred to uh, an offender like Fife as a geographically stable offender, one who kills victims and disposes of their bodies in areas that overlap where they live or where they spend time. Pryor, Houle, and Bazinet were murdered by what Holmes and DeBerger would uh, categorize as geographically transient offenders. So uh, they're murdered in one place, their bodies are transported somewhere else. Um... And although they are geographically stable, meaning no body transport Fife, there's a lot of other cases that Fife is probably not the murderer in, in, in these cases. The Montreal cases of Lison Blay, Catherine Hawkes, Francine Da Silva. These murders were committed after dark, way after dark, um, after midnight in many cases, coming home from clubs. It's not Fife's M.O., uh, Fife and the plumber rapist, uh, who he is presumed to have been, almost certainly was, preferred to operate in the light of day, usually in the late afternoon. Whether Fife killed Pearson or not, um, all of this would not have been news for the Quebec police. In fact, what I'm saying right now is not news to them. Fife's capture in 1999 triggered a mass review of all unsolved murders in the Montreal docket. Uh, the Quebec police, they would have known. He was living in La Salle, very close to where Pearson was murdered. Um, and uh, they would have given that consideration. Uh, a question becomes, was, was William Fife the second man interrogated by the Montreal police in 1983. Recall that after um, suspect number one was let go, the, that, that red car guy, 
police apprehended another man and subjected him to a lie detector test because they, quote, didn't think he was giving the right answers to our questions. Was this suspect the plumber rapist? Was it William Fife? Only the police know that, but they do know the answer to that question. Teresa Pearson's coroner's report was signed August 9th, 1983, and contained this curious statement. Today, despite all the research done by the investigators, it is impossible to reconstruct the circumstances of this crime and to identify the culprit, culprits. A public inquiry would be of no use. A neighbor remembered that the case was dropped very quickly. No one in the neighborhood was ever questioned. Wasn't a public inquiry exactly what was required? Uh, Up to the point of the Pearson murder, there had been dozens of reports of a serial rapist operating in the Montreal area. There were three unsolved murders Bernier, Raymond, and Scatelin. Up until that point, they were unsolved and all with a similar MO. Police had been spinning their wheels for years. Women had been complaining that the police were, quote, deliberately holding back information on the rapist and endangering women. A public inquiry may have stopped Fife. It may have saved the life of Teresa Pearson. Instead, Fife preyed on women for another 16 years. This is who killed Teresa. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a William Fife expert by any means, so um, many thanks to the Quebec researcher Uh, Annie Richard for her assistance uh, with this story. Um, I just get frustrating because uh, there's a a lot of bad information out there on Fife and most of it is is wrong. Um, I never intended to do, I think I've done three podcasts on them, Uh, but there it is. I I can tell you this, um, uh, the book... uh, Wish You Were Here, which will come out in September. The very last edit I did um, was to include a sentence about William Fife uh, to to make a point. Um, so he's he's even he's even in that uh, seems to be pervading uh, my thought process. Please go to the, the website for today's episode, uh, theresalore.com, T-H-E-R-E-S-A-A-L-L-O-R-E.com. As I say, there are maps, there are uh, 
photos of the three composites, photos of Fife, so you can do your own comparison, make your own decisions. There's also an interactive map I did for today's story, a Google map where you can play around and, and look at the geographic distances b between um, these, uh, these rapes, these murders, and where Fife lived. Kind of fun to play around with that. Um, as always, uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at JusticeGuy, J-U-S-T-U-S-G-U-Y. And the other handle is ThreeCellLore, at T-H-E-R-E-S-A-A-L-L-O-R-E. There's a Facebook page, ThreeCellLore, the podcast, as I said, the website. There's a YouTube channel. Uh, you can listen to us on many platforms, uh, iTunes, um, um, what's it called? Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, etc. As always, please pass the word. Uh, if you like what you hear, uh, share it on social media. Give it a review on any of those platforms. Always much, much appreciated. I want to get in under 50 minutes today. So that's it. Um, that's my tale. My dark tale for today. The Ballad of William Fife Part 2. That is it. The Ballad of William Fife was a play on the Ballad of Dwight F Fry. Ballad of Bill Fife. Ballad of Dwight Fry. Just uh... <laughs> these are games I, or that are exclusively for myself. Trust me. Uh, all right. Said too much. <laughs> uh, I'm clacking out. Uh, this has been Who Killed Teresa uh, for realsies this time. I'm your host, John Allure, and have yourselves a great, great day.
We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Every advertiser knows the perfect campaign needs the perfect music to make it really pop. With Premium Beat, you get tracks produced by award-winning musicians working in world-class studios. So all of your videos will sound and feel professional. Best of all, unlike other music providers, our license gives you tracks for a lifetime. Pay once and never again. Save 25% on your next track. Just visit premiumbeat.com slash royalty dash free slash podcast to redeem your coupon. That's premiumbeat.com slash royalty dash free slash podcast.